Welcome to Monday in Westeros. I'm Grandmeister Todd A., and I'm joined by Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, Taylor Trask, and Emily Kelly and first of her name, maker of video games, mother of cats, Khaleesi of fan theories, the get turn, ruler of her condo. <laughs> it is season eight, episode five. Uh, <laughs> it is called The Bells. The Bells. Or, I told you all. <laughs> <laughs> told you so. Can I just say before we begin, no. I was on, I am honored no. to take the we... mantle of Lord Commander of the Night's Watch because at this juncture, it has to got to be one of the easiest easy jobs job. in yeah. all of Westeros. Okay. I, I'll allow that. But I just told you before we started recording what I was going to say first. You can hang out with Tormund Giants Bane and drink and just like, you know, have Man. the best time, barbecue, talk about old times. Yeah. yeah I'm lot, in game. I, I mean, it is still winter, right? Like winter's still coming. Yeah. The seasons weren't affected by the... Ice man, were they? I no, don't know. no. Um, anyway, I told you both I had like an opening salvo for you. Emily, I'm going to you first. Cool. This is the question I worked on all night to prepare for you. What the hell? <laughs> okay, no joke. As I'm sitting there watching, I go, Frick, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to like defend my Danny love to them. What's my like, eloquent writing? It's like, what's my eloquent argument against this? I got this text um, from Emily right before you joined the recording that said, WTF did I just watch? <laughs> so I was already talking to Taylor when I got that and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to go into it more. I'm not really sure. Like, like I'm going to have to do a whole thing, but, and we'll talk about it in the themes. Mostly my argument comes in the themes that we'll talk about. So, but yeah, <laughs> Peter is sitting there just, and like half the episode, my jaw is just like open, tears are in my eyes. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <sighs> like the well, whole episode pretty much. Did you come away from it? Like, <laughs> I mean, like artistically, how did you, did you feel like it was a good episode in that? Like it, did it connect the story pieces, all that kind of stuff? Or did you feel like it was kind of a mess? No, it was a great episode. And I think, if you felt like it was a mess, it probably should have felt like that because that's mm. what war is. Like mm-hmm. in the moment, yeah. they really put us, you know, when we're travel, when we're going with Arya, when we're going with these other characters as things are happening and exploding and burning and crashing. And, you know, it should have felt just like, um, I never had to say his last name. Taylor always says his last name, like amazing. Um, Miguel, the director. Sapochnik. Sapochnik. When we did Battle of the bastards and the part where john is like drowning in, in dead bodies yeah. like that's kind of one of the just most like chilling but like Ugh, you yeah. feel it in that moment and i felt it throughout this whole episode of just this panic and fear and Ugh. raw emotion and just death and horror and just like so it was an incredibly good episode in that sense of that you were feeling exactly what all the characters were feeling i um, in the exactly moment. what you just said i i i totally agree with i this was one of the, there have been a, especially with the show, um, although this could just be confirmation bias playing out in my own mind, but especially with this show, there have been so many episodes where I'm like, am I being like, are you trying to manipulate me to feel one way about a character and I'm feeling a different way? Or this one was one where I felt like everything that character is doing, I am feeling exactly on the same page, Yeah, you know? Sure. And it was, uh, it was really interesting because I, I, I don't, I have not gotten that from Game of Thrones for sure. Um, but Taylor, what Emily just said uh, dovetails very nicely into what I was going to ask you, um, which was 
you had texted, you've texted me various times during today and <laughs> said that people on the internet are losing their shit over this episode. Mm. And I haven't tuned into that. What are they losing their shit over? Uh, <laughs> What's happening? There is a, a, I don't, I can't say large. It might be large. It may just be, it is very vocal. Let's just say that contingent of fans who absolutely thought this betrayed every single one of their characters the storyline like the show that they had in their heads this episode just sort of took a giant axe hammer to and just chopped to pieces uh, so not just Daenerys not just Daenerys that's huh. that seems to be the focus of a lot of the ire but like just a lot of and maybe it's because Daenerys is such a lightning rod for them that they are yeah. ex- just trying to grasp at anything that makes them angry but I'm just and, and it seems like there's there's kind of just two camps. Um, one is that group. And the other group is like, no, this is completely what should have happened. It all makes perfect sense that you're suffering from some other sort of anxiety that is unrelated. And like, and I, I find myself very firmly in that second camp. Cause I'm like, I, I get if you were of team Danny, that this is tough, but man, nothing in this, this episode betrays what the show has done to date. Nothing. Um, maybe, the logic of behold a pale horse at the end. I just, I don't know if that's <laughs> oh my God, yeah. what that, maybe we can get into that. But I mean, that God, seems I'm a little so glad weird, you said it that way. <laughs> everything, everything else is absolutely in line with the, where the story was headed. So there's none of this should have been so shocking that it just, it, it fundamentally disrupts your enjoyment of the show. Wow. That was you. Uh, uh, yeah. That was not just a report. You were, you were offering uh, some opinion there. I, <laughs> Well, what I've been curious about, because I did get texts from uh, another friend um, before we started recording, and I was asking her how she felt about it, um, and uh, I don't think she thought it was a bad episode, but she had, came away with clearly different feelings about, like, Jon Snow than I did. Mm. Um, I'm, sorry that, I'm sorry that I can't remember the exact word she used, but basically that he was kind of useless and didn't, yeah. didn't really True. do anything, and I thought it was – I thought it was a really honest Jon Snow portrayal. Like, I, I was – yeah, I, I thought everything he did was was very Jon Snow. It was yeah. useless, but you're right. It was totally within where but that useless. character would I mean, be at that moment. Yeah. He's sort of like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, poor guy is just looking around going, what did I sign up for? Who did I fall in love with? What? Why? Yeah. Oh, God. And then well, finally yeah. snapping out of it and you know, snapping out of that malaise and, and helping people and actually being Jon Snow too, which is, hey, I got to make the best of the situation. Yeah, yeah I, and I, I think um, Benny Wise, still going to call him Benny Wise, but yeah, yes, yeah. Do it. Um, Benny Wise said it pretty well in the after the episode of like that John was in a sort of denial too. Like yeah. that it mm-hmm. took him a moment to realize, like, oh shit, like I thought everything was going to be cool. And they, and, and I mean, Kit Harrington, dang, he was so bad when we first met him. And then as an actor, and he's so good now, just That's like anyone point. who who's grown up on screen, just like all those Harry Potter kids and stuff. And, um, you know, the, the moment where the first guy, the first Lannister soldier, like drops his sword and John has like a deep exhale, like, thank God yeah. I don't have to kill all these people. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like an all out bloody war. Like he's and basically he's fought in three really yeah. bloody Ooh, good terrible battles at this point. wow and so this, this is his fourth one and it's just like he knows the reality of what's about to happen and knows what men turn into when faced with these kinds of decisions and like dang it was so sad to say i was like man like but he really like stayed true to himself i thought too 
you know, it took him a minute to snap out of it. And then he was like, Oh my God, I have to stop them. I have to stop. I have to stop my own men. Even mm-hmm. if that means killing them to help these people and get out of here. Yeah. You know, can, you made a point earlier, Emily, uh, I want to come back to this episode was a lot more like battle of the bastards than the mm-hmm. long night was. Mm-hmm. I think the long night was more analogous to winds of winter, even though there was a battle, it was less, the horrors of war and more sort of the, the theater and the dance that that episode mm-hmm. did to get us to that final uh, Night King killing moment. Um, yeah. just, it was, and, and the, uh, law, the Winds of Winter was also just a lot of amazing moments in this be- almost like lyrical kind of song that played out over the course of the episode. Whereas this was just much more visceral, much more. Like, I loved your, your analogy to the, just the mountain of bodies that Jon Snow had to just mm-hmm. crawl out of and, and yeah. over. And this had a lot of just that same, just utter visceral destruction and horror and, and really boots on the ground kind of feeling of what this would have been like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to circle back to something that um, I think all three of us touched on about the, uh, you know, that moment where like John was acting like he's in that he's, he's been Jon Snow up to a point and then he has to realize like, I, what I thought was happening is, or, you know, what, who I thought this person was is not true and i felt like that was like aria was having that own realization within herself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um uh and Tyrion also mm-hmm. i think was having that like Tyrion and john were having that oh no you know moment yep. of of realization and but i i just want to bring in aria because i was very frustrated at at one point with her story in this episode and then mm-hmm. realized like Oh no, no, no. She's, you know, she like, she's figuring it out. Like that, that's what it is. You know, were uh, you frustrated that she became a little cowardly or a little bit unsure oh, no. of herself? Is that, no, it was just the, um, uh, I, I don't know. This was a movie with a, I, a movie. <laughs> this was an episode <laughs> with a lot of, um, you know, just very like, uh, intentionally uncomfortable moments for characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll step aside of the Aria question. Um, to, <laughs> to oh, I think the... I know what you're talking about now that I'm thinking about it, Todd. What's that? I, are you talking about so when her and the the hound are pushing through the gates and she looks back and basically she like sidesteps that woman and her child and knows that she is leaving those people out there. But then as soon as she sees them again, she can't leave them to die. Basically, in a less yeah. specific way. Yes, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Like. <laughs> Like she's trying to be like this cold hearted killer and she just can't do it. I think it was like when she thanks Sandor, which was a hugely powerful moment that we should probably spend more time on. Um, I think at that point I expected her to run away and realize like, I've got to help people get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. But instead it seemed like, Oh no, it's all about just her surviving. And I kept thinking to myself, Mm -hmm. like you have gone through so much to get to this point. Mm-hmm. don't let Arya go out this way. Like, this is just so awful, you know? And, but I realized like, no, that's that. I think that is her story is yeah. that mm-hmm. she did go through all this sort of violence against herself and that she was also perpetrating. And now it's, she's realized like, no, 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 I got it. I really have to struggle to get out of this. And Benny wise did a great thing at the, <laughs> in the recap where they talk about, she actually has the longest way to go because they'd mm-hmm. sort of mapped out the city and, yeah. you know, I mean, she's the only one, I guess that really, gets out of the red keep mm-hmm. can i make a minute it, it, it struck me too that this is the first time she's been back to king's landing since she yeah. left the moments after her father was beheaded 
So I am guessing being in that city, they didn't, they didn't expressly hit you over the head with it, but I would imagine the subtext or the subtlety that um, Maisie Williams was playing was, Oh my God, I have last time I was here. I just saw my dad brutally murdered. Yeah. Um, and it, it might revert her, just that environment might revert her back into a more innocent childlike posture, even if it's unintentional or subconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor, did, didn't you compare one of these episodes to uh, <laughs> uh, Purgatory? <laughs> did I do A that? few episodes ago? Purgatory, huh? I just is had this cr- crazy idea that, like, the Red Keep is hell. And everyone, like, <laughs> like the people that figure it out try to escape it. Like, Sansa figured it out and escaped Ooh. and never wanted to go back. Oh, my God. Cersei, decided that's where she lives and so she died in the red keep and Mm. daenerys was so envious of the people who lived there that she never even considered it might be hell and she literally turned it to fire and then went to live there wow holy shit and so aria is the one that that. like kind of walks back she's escaped but then she walks Uh back into hell thinking she can beat it she can be the one that kills cersei and then she realizes like this is the worst thing I've ever done and has to run for her life and literally beholds a pale horse of Uh death Mm. and gets Mm. on it and rides out. Dang. That's some subtext. It's the kind of shit that like uh, (laughs) Charles Webster and I talk about on our prisoner podcast where it's just like, and stuff that like the mark of good writing is that you get all the subtext, even if it wasn't intentional. So like, that makes perfect sense to me. My guess is Benny Wise didn't even think about that. They're like, uh, okay. (laughs) I mean, maybe it'd be cool, but like, I, I would guess there's, I mean, that's, Ooh, I love that metaphor. Now, cultural criticism is all about imagining crazy things and just sticking it on top of something else that well, <laughs> was not written for that. But it colors but, it in such a in profound way. God, I love that. I, so, yeah, to get back to like um, what well, gives back on track, we were going to address some themes of the episode. And uh, I, I there are two that like the one that Taylor brought up and the um, actually, Taylor, I'm going to we'll circle back to the, your your other one. Um, but Emily, you mentioned both of these, which are grief. And I think it's, it's very much tied to the other one you mentioned, which is nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just, I mean, I think we all have our own ideas on how that played out through this episode. Uh, but do you, do you think, what do you think Daenerys's motivation in, in that moment is, is it grief or is it, um, I keep wanting to say, is it anger? But I also made this note to myself that anger is depression turned outwards, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm just feeling like she she never dealt with the shit she needed to deal with. And- yeah, yeah. And you're exactly correct. And they mentioned this in the, in the inside the episode too. I like watching those. I know people think they're kind of like yeah. self-serving to me anyways, but I, I always feel like I kind of <laughs> learned from there, or at least like learn how to put my own thoughts into better words. Um, first time i actually didn't watch that because I, oh, really? t- I didn't want them to tell me how to think about the episode oh. i'm like no nah, i'm still unsure no. i need to ponder yeah. it for a little longer <laughs> ponder by myself. um yeah so i mean they kind of go into it and we've seen it kind of over the course of the last like three episodes really of danny has lost pretty much everyone she's ever loved like in her life in a very short amount of time and basically the last like three episodes of yeah you know, the, the people mm-hmm. she's lost jorah she's lost Missande. now she's losing john after the revelation that he's you know related to her um she felt like she lost ferris of that you know the people closest to her are betraying her that she also felt betrayed by Tyrion. you know she feels betrayed by sansa stark um and that 
she, because she grew up living so far away and grew up with these stories of how this place, this home that was built by her ancestors was taken from her, that, you know, everything was taken from her family by these other people. You know, she never really got to deal with that in a very healthy way. And because it was always um, about revenge. It was never about, oh, let's go back and, you know, reclaim our family name and show them that our Targaryens are here. It's always like, let's go back and conquer the entire continent once again and murder everyone, like murder all of Mm -hmm. our enemies. And um, because I think the the two themes that I want to talk about the most is one grief because she's lost a lot of people in a very short amount of time, but also just nature versus nurture. In that, you know, they, they said this twice. They said it in like the previously on Game of Thrones in the in the mm. in the previously, and then Varys uh, yep. said it again to John of that you flip a co- when when a Targaryen is born, you flip a coin, and the world holds its breath. And I think they are the last two Targaryens that we know of, at least um, mm-hmm. in the show, and um, they are very much two sides of the same coin of that. They were both raised away from their true home, raised away from their true families, raised in a way that was different from one another. You know, John was raised to be noble and good and, you know, sacrifice himself for the greater good and be a good soldier. And Danny was raised to conquer a continent. She was she was raised from birth, basically, by the brother and by whoever was there to murder a bunch of people (laughs) and like see everyone who is against her as an enemy. And I think at this point when she's finally in King's Landing, something she's never seen before, something that only exists in her, you know, in the stories that her brother told, I think it just really, something snapped in her, Mm. you know? And I think there's a big difference between, you know, her dad as the mad King, because by all accounts, he was, he really just was legitimately mentally ill that Mm -hmm. they always said that from his incestuous relationship of marrying his sister and a long line of his parents, marrying their siblings and cousins and nieces and nephews and whatever, that he just kind of deteriorated and became paranoid. And that's why he was crazy with Danny. I think there's just only so much one person can take. Yeah. And this is the culmination of eight (laughs) seasons of being sexually assaulted, sold, abused, kidnapped, the love of her life dies, being tricked, being being having to give birth, having to give up giving birth, losing her children, losing the another love of her life, losing her best friend, losing her advisor, feeling alone here in this strange continent. And I think she looked at that red keep and looked at this city and just said, fuck it. Like that she was just like this, every ounce of anger and pain she's had to keep down over the, all these years to get to this point. She just, she just lost it, man. Like, you know what, you know, I'm going to give you an, an, an interesting counter, not counterpoint, uh, um, addendum to that. You sort of hinted at it before. And I don't know if this is where you were going, but, um, she also saw King's Landing that in her mind she had built up what it was, the fairy tales, the myth, mm-hmm. the lore, the, the people telling her you know, as she experienced Jorah, um, all her advisors over the years. Like She had created this version of King's Landing in her own mind. And mm-hmm. over the last two or three episodes, that ver- basically that version was all but completely she, – she learned completely that that version will never exist. So when she finally gets there, it's like, well, I can't have the version of King's Landing I want. I who cares about this 
old place. She completely detached herself from any any of the people, any of the places. It's almost like King's Landing that she burned down wasn't real anymore. So it didn't mm-hmm. matter. These she had no moral compass guiding her anymore because what she had this sort of Shangri-La in her mind was never going to exist. So then why should this exist? What's yeah. the point? It's because I was trying to justify to myself why the hell would she take that final step? She, you know, yeah. I told Todd versus, you know, she was eyeing down the Red Keep. She could have easily just gone to the Red Keep and tore that down almost as a sign or a, an inadvertent symbol of tearing down the old world or the tyranny and, and making something mm-hmm. new. It could have served a number of purposes, revenge being a huge one, but she didn't. She tore through that city methodically like a serial killer just going left and right and back and forth weaving her way to the red keep and i was always trying to figure out like why would she be that dispassionate why would she separate herself from the lives and the livelihoods of these people after Tyrion told her numerous times john told her like she knew that what she was getting into but she completely removed herself from that and i do wonder i think you i think you 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 nailed it where she was the, the myth and the story of King's Landing and the Targaryen dynasty and who she is and how awesome she is. And you can almost think of all the fan love for Danny as almost like a prayer sent to that character that she is going to be this wonderful woman to inherit this kingdom on a hill and it will all go her way. And when that just absolutely shut down, even the man she decided was the new love of her life decided mm-hmm. he couldn't love her that way anymore. Yeah. It, it was all gone, all of it. So that final moment of her sitting on the stoop, staring down the, the red keep, I'm almost looking down a new light of her going, well, fuck it. There, if I can't have that, there's no point for this to exist. And it just became this cold calculating thing. So yeah, you use the word calculating. Do you think it, do you think there, any part of that was her rationalizing these people, the people of this country are not going to love me. So I, I am really going to take that last moment, like that last movement and make them fear me. Yeah. I, I mean, what she said that, I mean, it was what they always have really cool. She always has the best lines, I think in the whole show. Like, you know, there's always, I'm, I don't want to be a cog in the wheel. I want to break the wheel from a couple seasons ago. And now this one of let it be fear. Oh, uh, I yeah. think, I think part of it was, you know, she needed to, it's not like she destroyed the entire city. I mean, it's it's pretty leveled at this point, but it's not like every single person <laughs> in the city died. I So I think there is some sort of rationalization there of, of the people who are left will fear her as their new leader, which is sad. But the other thing is like, you said it, Todd, it that depression or anger is just depression faced outward. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely, and I think that's absolutely correct. If I'm, I have clinical depression. I've had depression, depression off and on since I was probably about 16 years old. And when you get into, you know, when you get so low, and I think this is really Danny's very lowest moment uh, that we've ever seen her, you do become kind of numb and you really don't care what happens to other people, to yourself. I, I think she was just in this moment of pure anger and hatred of anyone that she saw got in her way yeah. and you could tell and i liked this that they cut to her when she's kind of making this decision and she's staring through keep she's obviously really emotional oh yeah you know, that she was crying and she was 
you know, very upset. And I think that she, she just made a decision in the heat of the moment of from this really, really hurt place. And one of my favorite expressions that a a teacher, a counselor told me in high school was that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Mm. And that's exactly what Danny did today. I I love that. And to piggyback on that, on something you, you, you said in there is that I think in that moment, she's, I don't know that she's realizing this, but like John and Tyrion and Arya, sort of figuring out that what they bet on was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Daenerys, she, she doesn't necessarily figure it out, but the person she is most angry at is, mm-hmm. is herself. She has mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. ideas of what this will be like when she lands mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. for, you know, longer than we've known her. Like since she went to Essos to escape, yeah. you know, uh, the Baratheons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she gets there and it's like, the expectations you have had for your whole life were mm-hmm. wrong, 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 wrong. And yeah. now you're sitting on this nuclear bomb and are you going to drop it or, you know, yeah. she's sitting on a nuclear bomb without any of her better angels yep. on her shoulders that she's lost them all. Remember back. I'm actually reading. There's a wonderful piece on IO nine um, that kind of breaks down some of this, but they, they mentioned something in particular. I'm just going to quote this real quick. Um, for example, in season five, a harpy's son was taken into custody for killing an unsullied. Mm-hmm. Danny's first instinct was to butcher him, but Sir Barristan Selmy convinced her to give him a fair trial. He mm-hmm. served as or under her father, and she and and since she was following a similar path. So even back in the day, Barristan Selmy was when he was still alive. All I mean, think about it. She had him. She had Jorah. She had Tyrion. She had for a while Varys. She had uh, you know when John loved her or she you know she wanted him to love her romantically that was the case um Missandei, gray worm when he was still rational like she's had a <laughs> bunch of people mm-hmm. around her and, and influencing her who have kept her on the 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 narrow path have kept her on you know from becoming her father oh, 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 fall <laughs> off your microphone what just happened that was amazing <laughs> you heard that i'm still i'm still alive and well they won't yeah. silence me no he uh <laughs> there's no one left right Tyrion was the last one and his voice i'm i'm sorry but his voice wasn't strong enough no. um to i mean he was the only one the only one um because john you know once she realized he didn't love her the same way anymore he was mm-hmm. that was done that was it so she's by herself and the i mean she becomes more like her dragons she becomes more like the khaleesi she is and not the queen she wants to be yeah and i think too the the previous on game of thrones as well as the opening with the maps are always such a good clue on what the episode is going to do because we saw in the the end of the previous you have all these different voices talking about danny telling her what she needs to be what she needs to do what kind of queen she needs to be what kind of thing she needs to whatever and i think also at that moment where she decides that she's gonna burn half the city alive and knock down this stupid red building she decides i'm gonna do exactly what i want to do yeah i'm sick of people (laughs) telling me how to behave and telling me what to do and telling me who i should be and i think in that moment she really gets on with the with the um god what's her name the tyrell woman Mm. emelina tyrell she is the dragon. This is this is yeah. turning into the dragon that she was always supposed to be. She wasn't ever going to be this pretty princess from a Disney fairy tale land that was going to rule Westeros with 
crowds crying for her when she arrived on the shores. That was the fake out. That's what yeah. got a lot of people to yeah. be like, well, that's my queen. Cause they imagined that in their heads yeah. given that. I mean, but that was, yeah, that was totally unintentional in the, oh, in the at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You, ju- you just reminded me of uh, that. There's this Jorah line where she tells Jorah, like all how all the people in Westeros are going to cheer when she arrives. And Jorah is like, I the, forgot the about common that. people yeah. pray for a long summer and, <laughs> Yeah, like they don't give a shit about it. Yeah, they don't care who sits on the Iron Throne. Yeah, I think she Um, felt lied to a lot of her life. And this is like the culmination of that, of of all these lies are finally coming to the surface as she's here. But but what is she also Part of it's also like her believing certain lies. I mean, she's a goal. She was gullible because, especially in the books, she's 12 years old or something. Uh, Like she's really young in the books. And, you know, she's still, um, Amelia Clark is still a very young woman, especially when we started the show, but she's still like from, you know, just imagine if, especially if you've ever had a toxic person in your life or someone who's gaslighted you in your life, you believe those things because you have to hear them over and over and over again. That's but true, but, but she's had Jorah and Barristan and Tyrion and Varys and the Sand. Yeah, but they're like also enamored with her. Like nobody yeah. really wants to tell her the real truth. Yeah, that's true. Except for but John. It, but she, she's for John. Uh, <laughs> you know, but she's never been like a a poor kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always just like she's no. yeah. Um, but sorry, go ahead, Taylor. What were you? I was I was gonna say, what do you what do you each of you suppose her calculus was? She, I mean, do you think it was completely a hundred percent unhinged irrationality, and that she's gonna have a moment in the fi- in the finale where she's like, "What have I done?" Or do you think she completely thought it out and went, "I don't give a shit. I'm doing this." But then, if that's the case, what was her end game? What was I mean? What did she think was gonna happen after that? That like no one's gonna mess with me. I've got Drogon. I mean, mm. what? How did you? I mean, how did each of you take that? It's funny that you said Endgame because it was kind of reminding, <laughs> reminding me of Thanos because I just saw Endgame again on Thursday or Friday, oh, and um, you know he he's look at him so good, still so good. Um, that Thanos said, you know his his thing is he watched his planet die and never wanted that to happen again, and so that's why he said, oh, getting rid of half the known universe, you know, people would be grateful, and that's what he talks about with the Avengers, like. I thought that the people left over, well, before they kill him, before they chop his head off, the, well, kill him the first time, spoilers, um, that he thought that people would be grateful, that he thought that, you know, that he was saving them. And that's why he took this incredibly taxing sacrifice on himself. If he sacrificed his daughter, he just killed half the universe, you know, to go live alone for the rest of his life. And I think Danny, in some sense, I don't think hers was as calculated as his. Mm-hmm. I think it was from a place of anger of she's just like, F this man. I'm like, but like I said, I don't think she like what set out to kill a specific number of people. I don't think she set out to kill the entire city. I think she just kind of lost it. And, you know, the, the consequences of this will be that people will fear her and probably hate her. I'm going to well, read a line and, real, real quick. Wait, real quick. I'm going to read a line from Barristan Selmy from that same episode, <laughs> because this is going to I mean, this this gave me chills. The, the, he says the Mad King gave his enemies the justice he thought they deserved. And each time it made him feel powerful and right. Barris and Selmy told her, but then, uh, and then they go on to say like that. Then one of Danny's supporters kills that sons of a harpy guy anyway, mm-hmm. claiming mm-hmm. he was following her example. So there's something to think about. She put him on trial and sentenced him to death, which caused a riot. But because, but because Daenerys hadn't bothered to make any consistent laws um, in Marine for her people, justice was based solely on her discretion. So 
you've got her setting this example for these slaves that she freed, which is like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy. This is what you wanted, right? So right, that just alone shows her kind of lack of judgment. But just the fact that the Mad King thought the very same thing. Her father thought that the, you know, the way I deal with justice, the way I deal with, with people who have wronged me is, is the correct way. As insane as it might be, no one's going to stop me. I, I'm, that is the right way. And, and she's adopted that same policy. They go on, I don't have to do it right now, but they go on to like list off all the things that she's done over the course of the show. Um, everything from, killing the witch you know burning her alive which no. i get i get to some degree but then <laughs> no <laughs> but then like here let me just go down i mean i'm i'll, I'll try to truncate it. this is this is worth mentioning because this kind of paints the picture about how we got here uh the witch who kidnapped uh uh danny's baby and uh, it, and all that and killed it burned alive zaro zohan doxos the guy who staged yep. a coup against korth locked inside a vault slowly to suffocate she ordered the Unsullied to massacre every slave master at Noble and Nastafor before she freed them. So before she freed the Unsullied, she's like, just do that. Upon learning that the Masters of Marine had put 163 slaves on racks as punishment, Daenerys did it to them, uh, to 163 of them. We might think that these people deserve their fate because they were bad, but it doesn't change the fact that Daenerys has done cruel and terrible things to her enemies. So it does come down to what was the moment for every audience member that was one that was too far. I yeah. think Todd for you it was a long time ago. I think for a lot of people that was Sunday night which is like oh well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I so I have a, a kind of meta question because I don't I don't think in the it's where we are in the books. I don't think it's not like book readers have a fundamentally different perception of Daenerys. Mm. I mm-hmm. do think it's it's more about confirmation bias and what you're bringing to the story and I was choosing all along to kind of read it as um and this is a thing taylor you and i are going to talk about on the panelism podcast (laughs) this week but um so i won't go into it in detail but i i was seeing it as like you can't be a liberator and then leave and i think emily i think you said Mm -hmm. something great last week about that about the um yeah, that the the liberate the the liberators the con- yeah. very rarely see themselves as the conquerors, but the right. people that they're quote unquote liberating typically do. Well, and you talk about like um, uh, how can people like uh, people are upset about this or they you know they they didn't see it coming or whatever. But uh, the I don't know. To me, this was the Hiroshima moment. And if you look at this very real event in our history for some Mm -hmm. 70-something years, people have been justifying that absolutely vicious, like awful, terrible slaughter of all these innocent people in the Mm -hmm. worst way ever Um, because of some weird, you know, uh, interpolitical like global pol- politics and strategy mm-hmm. or something like, well, we had to do it because we had to show them that we would go that far. Oh, you had to be the monster to show them that you're, <laughs> that they're being a monster, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are moments like when Ari is running through the city and finds the child burned. I mean, I was so, I mean, that was so profound to me um, and, and moving for a work of fiction, I think, because I, of course, first of all, there's like I, the, you know, Pompeian ruins where you've yeah. seen people like caught yeah. in, in the I thought midst. September 11th. That's, 
that oh god i didn't even think about especially that especially all these people covered in dust and coughing yeah. and bloody and just dazed like yeah. that was the first Jesus. images coming out of september 11th that's what it really reminded me of well and like and and i was thinking a lot about hiroshima you know they mm-hmm. they found uh, just i mean you know bodies in poses that were just like incinerated instantly um over there yeah. you know and uh, clothing like imprinted on the skin of the people because the heat was so so intense and yeah, that's I, like that's what was going through my head when I saw that, and I um, I don't know that I have anything else there except that we will go to great lengths to qualify our own biases that we bring to things because we think that's we think that we don't want to think we're wrong. You know, there's a really great mm-hmm. evolutionary like reason that we think that. You know, we have to survive. But um, yeah, I, think- I would be curious to see what what somebody who lived through World War II or was you know fought in World War II, especially in the Asian Pacific side of things, like if what they would think of this episode, like because they had to deal with that in real life as a country. Even if you're like a ten year old kid, and you you know in that time you know America did this to Japan, and now like imagine going to Japan as a tourist or having a friend who's Japanese or or of Japanese heritage, like. You've had to deal with all that in your real life. And now so many people watching this show, like this is the first and only time maybe a lot of a, a whole chunk of generations have had to go through these same mental questions, you know, these, these same internal questions, um, you know, these kind of moral quandaries. I would be curious what somebody who's already gone through it would think of this episode, if it would you know, trigger them or if they'd be like, oh, no, that's that's these, this is what happens. I mean, what it just would be curious to know. Yeah, I there's a yeah. moment in this I, I want to point out because I think Emily you'll be able to riff on this too is that is that little girl that is hiding behind the column? Oh shit, man! And you see her face. This you see this face. You see, I mean, the god that girl like for being on screen for 20 seconds was which no, girl, like I'm which remember girl her for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'll remember. She's her. hiding behind a column <laughs> right after uh, everything goes to shit. And oh like, yeah. The Northerners She's really are young, right? Like attacking her mm-hmm. mom and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And she, um, the, her, her face goes from like fear to sadness. And then this just like concrete, like anger. And I, I was the whole time just going like, Holy shit. You were watching the radicalization yes. of, of like, the low of the local person when the conqueror comes to town yep. like mm-hmm. that's how you make the same radical, thing yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah god that's that a little girl. girl i don't know who she is i'm gonna go back and look what her actress's name is because it was really really incredible and i love that the set they turned the sound down so you could really just like hear her mm. breathing and um yeah i mean i think i think this whole episode honestly and we, we've been talking about a lot of just like real life sort of events like this of um, like that you, you, we really did get to watch like the birth of the next rebel. Like, yeah, I mean, our story is ending, but you know, this is exactly, I mean, I don't really want to get too far into politics, but like, no, go for it. When we invaded Afghanistan and Iraq, I mean, it's not like ISIS just sprung out of the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when I'm not saying that our invasion of them is to blame for the rise of ISIS, but you can kind of see where maybe some of these young people are coming from of where they've only known American soldiers to be occupying their country, yeah. to have since killed were, their fathers and brothers. Yeah. And, you know, since they were little kids of to see, you know, as much as they always show us here in the United States, they always show us the pictures of the little kids running next to the tanks and getting chocolate and smiling. There's probably a lot of kids, not just in Afghanistan and Iraq, but 
uh, Arabs all over the world, uh, Muslims all over the world, who have probably seen Americans in a completely different light than we as Americans ever see ourselves. Oh, and, and yeah, your point about like the conquerors always see themselves as liberators. Yeah. You know, that they also don't recognize that they are they are radicalizing generations like absolutely in that way yeah yeah and i mean there's a lot of different factors it's an incredibly complex like socio-political debate about all these kinds of things but you know it was interesting to see that especially just like that little girl you know her parents are probably dead her city is destroyed and just the changes of emotions on her face was so perfect uh, a perfect description of how the remaining people are probably going to view Danny as, as Think about she comes to conquer them. That girl was having – this episode for that girl was the same episode where Arya saw Ned Stark beheaded. Like right? that is – I mean fast forward 10 years to that little girl. Where does she go? What does she do? What I mean what list does she write now? It's like I'm – you know, I'm going to kill that woman who destroyed my life. Mm-hmm. And that's that started yeah. in this episode. I just want to say, as you were talking, Emily, like and, and that Afghanistan comparison is a good one. I wanted to be like, there's a lot of people out there right now who are getting just absolutely dumped on because they basically said, just so you all know, I'm embarrassed that Daenerys is from Westeros. All of the, <laughs> all of the Dixie chicks. Because it really is the, it, there's sort of an irrational thing going on with some people, some contingent of the fan base who had this, this stars in their eyes view of Daenerys just, you know, like, and are easily when, when you're confronted with the truth that this thing that you sort of put your faith and hope into, isn't necessarily the best person in the world or might even be the villain in this whole situation. It's a hard yeah. pill to swallow. If you have really surrendered yourself to that idea, just like, I mean, you, you could, the same thing applies to a country, to a, a leader locally, nationally, you know, it just, it is it is dangerous to put so much stock in any person, whether it be fictitious or real, that you can't handle it when something goes wrong or when they truly do something bad. Which is mm-hmm. so much of like Varys's point of like yeah. from last episode of like when people start talking about destiny and shit like that, like yep. you, yeah, that's that like leader a red flag. Is, yeah, and <laughs> I, I made guy. one of my, my one yeah. of the notes I made was like, have Danny stands been supporting? A- <laughs> Rumsfeldian neocon for eight years <laughs> because here you know here is Danny Rumsfeld who comes to yeah. the other country and expects to be welcomed as this oh, like so hero right. liberator and it's like really girl funny. you've just been causing trouble all throughout <laughs> Essos know. you know and then you bring all the armies from Essos that could actually protect against the slavers to this country and get them all freaking killed Todd um, you said it in a text Robert Baratheon was freaking right yeah. I put that in my low light for the episode. I don't know about that, but like <laughs> he was, he said, "You can you imagine a Dothraki horde, like in Westeros?" Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, uh, that's true. yeah, and he was, you know, also like murder the Targaryens. Yeah, God, it's that <laughs> is that is a bit. See, the yeah. the Danny stands have to swallow their pill, but we have to swallow the pill that Robert Baratheon <laughs> was right. Like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um i i love this <laughs> i love this discussion i feel like we're we're like off track in the outline i made but um but it's really good uh <laughs> <laughs> off track in a good way um yeah Just scratch we, out like 10 things <laughs> oh my gosh i mean there's so many like there are little moments that i wanted to get into but 
Um, and also while we've been talking, I got a notification on my phone that it was a headline from Wired UK that said, why this episode was the worst Game of Thrones episode ever, episode ever. And I'm like, worst ever? I actually think it was so, so well assembled. Like yeah. technically, I technically, am just very good. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And um, uh, even so here's the moment I, I wanted to bring up. I made one of my other notes is uh, uh, a war. What is it good for? Was what I asked last week. And this week I wrote the Golden Company. Good God, y'all. <laughs> what are they good for? <laughs> um, but I actually wasn't even annoyed no, by that. Like in, in other ways, I would have thought, you know, in, 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 in past seasons, I would have been like, that's weird. They brought like a thousand people over to just get, get wiped nope. out in one go. Can, I, yeah. can we? I mean, we're sort of touching on highlights, lowlights, but I will have to say the one thing that did infuriate me is just from a, a technical standpoint, like a you know, just lazy writing standpoint was the ease of which she was able to take out all those scorpions, especially after an episode where she had no idea what was coming and like it just ripped yeah. one of her other dragons apart. There wasn't even a struggle. She just, I mean, dum 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 and done. And they were all gone. And Quiburn just it was the most anticlimactic things. Like they are all gone. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was just like JK. A little it. hand wavy. That's I it. Did I did think that upon rewatching it, um, and thinking quite a bit about it <laughs> as much as like strategies of the long night I, I quibbled with. So again, I don't know if my confirmation bias is speaking here or not, but um, I did see that, okay, well, the way to beat them is to go fast and low and, you know, and the thing she does at the beginning where she is up in the sun where they can't get a good bead on her, mm-hmm. you know, because they're having to stare straight up at the sun. It was like, actually all of that makes sense because okay. I don't, I mean, it was really hand wavy. Like having one jet fighter take out all of those things was ridiculous. But um, I I think her strategy was right on, which was like come in at their level and move quickly and they can't turn quick enough to get another shot off. You know? Yeah. And like, because we saw them too, of they're like, reload, reload. And like, by the time yeah. you're going to reload, you're going to be dead. Like, that's what she waited for. Like she yeah. waited from the fire, then came in as they're reloading or trying to aim. Yeah. So, I mean, I think she just, she just learned. Like, she just was like, okay, I get it now. I get how these operate. Like they were taken so off guard. They'd never seen that before when it killed um, Rhaegal that she just was like, okay, now I have a strategy for dealing yeah. with this. And if she, she did it in the, I wrote it in my notes, like she did it in the immediacy of that. She took out the most dangerous things to her and to the rest of, the, of her forces that she, she took out the, well, they call them scorpions. I call them ballistas because that's what they are. Yeah. Um, she took out the ballistas then took out the ground, tried to take out as many ground forces as she possibly could. So to pave the way for her army to already break into the city without losing a lot of casualties. Um, and so that was like super smart. Like that's probably the, one of the best plans that we've seen. Yeah. And I think, you know, Taylor texted me last night, right after the episode. Um, and we touched on it here, but I, I, that moment of her sitting on the wall on, you know, on the dragon and looking at the red keep, I mean, I just thought this was a great moment of filmmaking of like, mm-hmm. you know, all she has to do is fly straight at that thing and destroy it. And it, this is like a perfect strategic siege of a city, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and that that moment of tension of, you know, <laughs> if she wanted to be the breaker, like, of what, chains, what's going to happen? She tears down that red keep and says, guess what? We're going to a democracy now, bitches. Here we go. There is no going to be there is no Iron Throne. I just destroyed it. We don't, I mean, that would have been, 
that would have been a moment truly worthy, I think, of a lot of the Daenerys diehards like mm-hmm. vision of her. And it didn't happen. So it's like, okay, that didn't happen. That's where we are. But that that moment really, I mean, that basically defined the rest of the show. Yeah. You know, that very moment where she decided that, okay, everything else hinges on that that decision to just go, oh, I don't care. I mean, yeah. just back to the the artful direction of the of this episode i was so i felt myself so unsatisfied and like like something was off at that moment of like wow this was way too easy and it was hand wavy and i'm thinking in my head of like oh i got all these criticisms of what happened and then then once she flew off once the bells start ringing and there's that moment of like which by the way emily you brought up all the voices and you know that we hear at the beginning of the like previously on um those bells like that seems like such a uh like parallel to that of like she there's this picture of her face and all the bells ringing sort of cacophonously and um yeah i i don't know at that moment it was like oh now now the ship's jumping for me too because i have anxiety like it was like almost like a uh input overload like where it's like the bells are ringing people are screaming um, people are yelling, her dragon is roaring, and I was like, that, I would have snapped too. Oh just my god, they stopped talking to me. Like, um, <laughs> do, do you think that's why Circe was so kind of weak sauce in the latter part of the episode? Is that she just was shocked into complete submission? She yeah. actually has, she also has, um, this really, uh, weird, um, experience for anyone on the show, which is she makes a lot of plans and they go right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then now it's gone so wrong. Yeah. She, but just her she tears that she's that. shedding of just like yeah. her, her exterior facade, this sort of completely confident calculating woman, finally just like everything you wanted is just, it, none of it worked. It's yeah. all falling apart for once. So if, if you want to, we we're talking about plans. Who had the best plan of everyone? Arya and the Hound, where they just strolled right into <laughs> True. And like, hey, yeah. I'm going to go kill your queen. The guy's like, and then the Hound's like, the voice of reason, like, just let her do it. It'll be over. You could probably not die. And that guy's like, uh, okay. Sure, come on in. It was perfect. <laughs> um, a, a highlight, of, what about Clegane Bowl? Was it everything you hoped for? Was it, I, I was so enamored that they delivered it in in a setting that was unexpected. Yeah, that's it. Uh, when we were watching it, Peter was like, this feels like Dark Souls. Like, this is like a Dark Souls boss battle of, like, this dragons flying overhead, yeah. and the walls are crumbling, and you're fighting this big-ass zombie dude. And, like, it was, it was, I liked it. I mean, I thought it was, like, I just, we've expected it for so long, that finally, now that it was here, I was like, finally. Um, but it wasn't really cool, like, that they did a lot of um, really good uh, you know, shots of the post-apocalyptic, like everything's yeah. falling around. They're so focused on each other. Um, and, you know, ultimately the, the hound got what he wanted. Um, and I think it was really in the, in, inside the episode, they said they knew they had to give him a death by fire, like to kind of make oh, it. Yeah. They said exactly. And they, like they, Benny wise, they're so good at these kinds of things. Like they said, the only thing that could, that me, like, could make him go into the fire is the person that gave him the fear of fire. Like that's the only oh, thing that matters more oh. than he's just like, fuck it. Like he, he knows good. he can't kill him. He's just stabbed him through the face and he's not dead. Nobody goes for the head, by the way, like people need to learn this. Um, and then they just tumble down into the fire. And I think it was probably, 
It was one of my coolest deaths of the whole series because it was like, what a blaze of, literally a blaze of glory for the Hound and like what a full circle of like him trying to protect Arya, him finally Mm -hmm. getting to face his true fear and that's the brother and then, you know, ending them both in in this glorious death. Did you notice though? I I got a little queasy because he started to squeeze the Hound's head just like he did Oberon's. And I was like, oh God, is this just going to end with him victorious? Like, is this really going to happen? I was looking away too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I love that they brought that actor back and actually showed you what he looked like underneath the the helmet. That was a little surprising and satisfying at the same time. I was like, oh, here we go. Well, it's still not his name his real name is his little name is Thor, but it's not odinson but it's still not the original dude it's well yeah, the original dude from the first episode but it's the it yeah. is the dude who killed oberon that's yes, that yes, same guy giant hulking man like it was just like yeah. man i would not want to fight that guy and the hound was just like hmm, whatever we're here we go we're doing this <laughs> uh other highlights were there or or low lights i guess i got I, two i i hesitated because i was gonna say highlights you know, like deaths. And then I went, that's not a highlight. No, <laughs> but, that, that's but, a low light, in fact. Very yeah. death. But I have two specific highlights. One is Drogon's head coming out of the shadows right before he fries Varys. Oh, and Very. just the dispassionate way she goes, Dracarys. It's just mm-hmm. like, I, I thought, as soon as she said that that way, I was like, oh, she's done. There's no going back. She's so depassionate. I mean, every time she gets to say Dracarys, she always like brings the brings the thunder. And this is the first time she's just like, ah, Dracarys. Yeah. <laughs> and Drogon just appears. And it was a little hokey, but it, it was so cool to see that. And then the other even more amazing visual was just that gate blowing up from the inside out. <laughs> God, when you heard that going on, you're just yeah. like, what is happening? What's going to come out of there? Like, is we. What is going on? And then just it blows the <laughs> hell up and just all over the Golden Company. You're like, okay, they're just they're leaving it all. They're taking it yeah. all off the table. Drogon did not come to play. Okay? Nope. <laughs> he came to slay, literally. <laughs> Emily, uh, highlights that, that, you, that we haven't touched on yet? Um, I really liked, you know, there were a lot, but I think just – it just like I'll probably defend Danny to like my last dying breath. Like I'll be like we're surrounded by all my great grandkids, and they'll be like, "Grandma, what? What do you want to say?" And I go, "Danny was still cool." And d- then die. like, Paris, <laughs> I hope I was. I hope I'm wrong." Yeah. Um. I still, you know, as much as people hate Cersei, as much as she's been the bad guy for a couple of seasons and really all the seasons, um, I still respect the hell out of her as a strong female character. Just a strong mm. character of of her incredible intelligence and her strategy and her dedication to her family and her house. And, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting. I thought the, the final moment where you saw her crack, you know, where you where she's looking out and she sees Drogon and Danny sitting on the, the walls and she's crying and she knows that it's time. And she just, you know, very gently takes Quiburn's hand and lets him lead her away. And if I love it too, like when the, before the Clegane Bowl, that she just kind of like sneaks around them, like, oh, no, this is no, this is mine. Yeah. No one might be. I'm, yeah. Goodbye, um, gentlemen. And just like her overwhelming um, emotion of you, like laugh, crying, smile, crying when she sees Jamie and, you know, just how happy she is to see him. And, and especially down um, in um, the, is it called like Mygor's Watch or something where they keep all the dragons? Yeah. Uh, Magor's Keep or, yeah, or Hold okay. or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. and um, 
you know, that she she's finally realizing that this is the end. And it was so sad, especially just as a woman of like that. She, you know, she didn't talk about so much to herself she, that she didn't want to die, but it was for not herself, that it was for her child. She didn't want to die because she wanted to be a mom again. And she, she wanted this child to live and grow up in a world. And, um, you know, that was really heartbreaking for me, I, I think. And probably for a lot of people of just, you know, had uh, this really tough exterior that she's always portrayed and had to portray. And, you know, finally in the end, you know, you, I think you got to see a little bit of her true colors of how passionate she is about being a mother and, you know, how much she, um, already loved this child that she'll never knew and never know. And I, I think that is incredibly sad. And, um, oh. I think honestly, a highlight though, is that Jamie and Cersei got to die together mm-hmm. because that's what we've said all along. And a lot of people had theories of like, he was going to kill her, that something was going to happen, but we all kind of knew, you know, they came into this world together and they, they got to go out together. And I think they, you know, it wasn't like a blaze of glory. They didn't have to see each other get executed. They didn't, you know, he didn't have to kill her. She didn't have to kill him. They mm-hmm. just held each other and went out quietly and you know they'll find you know maybe they'll find them later and confirm that they're dead but like they there was no spectacle it was just them yeah. and i thought that was actually a really really fitting uh death for them uh so that was like a highlight have you gone back that, and read uh, the uh oh good sorry the valencar prophecy have you read that since you watched yes it? i have and i was like oh great and, so taylor this is what it is and when your tears have drowned you the Valencar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat oh, and wow. choke the life from you. Yeah. So except for the choke the life from you, like, well, they, that they, is they such probably a... die of asphyxiation a little bit because yeah, yeah, yeah. down there. But I mean, it's not like the Valencar kills her, but yeah. all that uh, also happened. Her, her yeah. you know, she's drowning in her tears and little brother puts mm-hmm. his, his arms around her, her neck, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, our, our friend uh, Drew uh, pointed out that he really loved that, that, coming you know the coming circle of the valencar prophecy mm-hmm. so i do want to say i want to i do want to tack on to that though another uh, highlight which is that scene between jamie and Tyrion, where Tyrion says his goodbye oh. and oh, dinklage yeah. just kind of rings out all the emotion you can, you can get out of that scene and it's <sighs> even more poignant having seen how jamie goes out because w- you think oh my god it Cersei did show herself to be human in the end. She mm-hmm. showed vulnerability. Like that could ha- she could have had a life if they had just gotten out sooner. Tyrion's plan could have given her herself back, mm-hmm. essentially. And it's just like it's I'm all the sadder now that it didn't get to happen. And Tyrion, poor Tyrion, having trying to put that together now, he's probably going to die. Yeah, as a really, result of that, it proves too. Like I, I, I've said this a lot. Of the Tyrion is the best of all of them. Yeah, in, in a moral sense of that even though Cersei was horrible to him and his family was horrible to him and that the really in general, the world has been horrible to him. He's still willing to sacrifice himself to make sure not only that his brother and sister could escape and, and unborn niece or nephew could escape and have a life, but that the people of King's Landing could live hopefully that he was willing to betray his queen and betray this person who will probably kill him. Um, so that others could live. And I think that's, it was just an all around beautiful moment. And I'm, I really fear for him. You know what else I'm happy about though? Guess what? Not a secret Targaryen. Guess what? Jamie and Cersei, not secret Targaryens. (laughs) They, they're ending the show with all three of them as actual Lannisters. And I love that. I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I started saying this earlier and, and never got back to it, but I, uh, the, as, anyway but but back in the books 
Um, although where Daenerys is in the books is still she's still out on her own with Drogon. <laughs> none out. of that has happened. She's yeah. never gone back to <laughs> yeah, the horde has not captured her or anything no. like that. They're just eating sheep out yeah. in the fields. Um but I I'm curious if uh so we we think we know that Benny Wise got the ending from George R. R. Martin. Oh, they we, did for sure. So, I mean, we know we've they've said that. I, yeah. And I guess they they probably, I guess I shouldn't say it like couch like that. Like they have. It's just a question now of will he change it because he's upset with other parts of the show or something. But yeah. I, I would say as a reader, my take from the books is that there haven't been like more hints that Daenerys is like mad sort of like her her father like just mm-hmm. like uh like a, a mental illness but the jury's out on it mm. you know yeah. um and i i i don't know i guess i guess i i guess what i'm appreciating is in the show what you brought up emily that whole theme of nature versus nurture is like mm-hmm. she's just you know she is not necessarily mad by her nature mm-hmm. or sorry by her yeah yeah, Wait, by her nature. Yes, yeah. by her nature. But she has been nurtured to become this person all along. Yeah, exactly. And in the book, I don't, you know, I don't know, we don't know where we're going to come down on that, but it's... Uh, yeah, a lot less things have happened to her, at least at this point in the books. Um, yeah. I mean, there could have been a lot more discussing, like, horrible things happening in the in the other books. But yeah, at the point that we are in the books, she's just still kind of like a beautiful, starry-eyed princess who's, you know, husband was brutally you know like trick murdered and her babies are now dragons and like that we haven't gotten to see as much of her having to fight for her life and fight for what she believes in and like fight for this all this stuff yeah. that's happened in the show i mean i don't like her in the books um either uh but i think actually in the books there's more examples of her ruining cities that she comes to liberate yeah. There's that whole, I can't remember, Astapor or Marine or something where yeah. there's that, that whole, like, basically encampment outside the city where everyone has some horrible disease. Oh, um, yeah. Like, way too many yeah. chapters on that. And it's yeah. probably just one, but it's gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like it was longer. <laughs> yeah. It felt longer. It definitely <laughs> felt long. Um, boy, do you think, this was the question I wanted to circle back around to, do you think what's what percentage is the show different now the ending than the books are going to be like are we somewhere where george martin was aiming what do you think emily (laughs) i mean i think for probably like the three really central characters it's so that's danny john and Tyrion. we are probably really close to what their book endings okay would have been um, or could have been i don't know if they'll ever end up writing the rest of these books uh, I actually had this really horrible thought today thinking about the same thing of like, oh my God, what if he's already written them, but he didn't want to spoil the show for us. And then like, as soon like to like next week, as soon as the show's done, like three books are going to come out. I was like, oh my that's God. Crazy, know, did, that's crazy. We did. We did hear that when John died. <laughs> yeah. We're, that's crazy. Um. Anyway. So <laughs> I think though, at least some of the other people, maybe like the journey is a lot different in the books, but the the end was yeah. kind of like Sansa Stark is the one that I think of the most because mm. when we last see her in the book, she's still in the veil and she's like kind of being prepped to rule the veil with little Lord Aaron. Sorry, spoilers for non-bookers, but um, you know, there's a lot of characters like that where uh, if the things that hadn't happened in the show 
did also didn't happen or that happened in the show didn't happen in the books i don't know if they would be where they are do you know what i mean right so, but i think the central characters the three central characters that we followed pretty much most of the time i think Oh, and Arya. I think Arya is probably also really close yeah. to what, she was, what her ending was going to be, um, especially <laughs> killing the Night King. Um, so four characters. Um, is she still blind in the books? Oh, man, is she? Dang. I don't know. She's blind for so long that. in the books, and it was like Shoot. one episode in the show. I totally forgot that. Um, yeah, so I think I think this the main characters are probably the very closest and then kind of maybe some some of the other characters are closer and then there's probably some people who like survived the whole book series and but are dead right now like we don't know we'll ne- actually, maybe we'll never know you've actually renewed my interest in him finishing the books in that now they like what if they are pure fan fiction that sort of whitewashes the like icky feelings i have about everything from oh my god that'd be so funny like (laughs) Like, what if sansa really just just marry robin and he turns out to be a great guy she marries a a golden henry or whatever his name is he's like uh, lord yeah he's like lord royce's ward or whatever he's like this handsome like and this is golden henry i forget what his name is but they call him the golden knight skin glistens well according to you (laughs) Uh, yeah, like like Sandor is just happily digging digging graves. Yeah, it's like no, I got a good cool. job. I'm not. Brienne is dead. That they hung her in the books and like. Who Did knows they? If she, yeah. Oh, who knows if she's dead? Who knows if she's Stoneheart dead or alive? Let's her go, right? Oh, I I, I think I, that's early on because then she goes and meets the Hound after that when she's the grave digger and she gets stabbed. Oh, that that's right. That's ambush. Right. Can yeah, I just okay. say I cannot wait. For the last, the next and final episode, where Stannis Baratheon uh, comes to claim his final victory with the help of Lady Stoneheart and Tom Bobadil, oh it's going to happen. We're finally going to see her. She's going to come striding across, and she will become queen of Westeros. It will happen. It will happen. Um, <laughs> what? So pre- predictions for next week. Besides Lady Stoneheart, <laughs> covered. Like okay, check. Got it. Yeah. We should have a Deadpool for next week because I think that's oh, yeah. probably the most crucial question. God, who are even? Who's even left? Well, do you think? I mean, just a big prediction: is there going to be a fight, or is it like the Northerners just retreat and go? Fuck, we're right back in the same place. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I there's got to be. I mean, there will for sure be conflict, but what is it? I, I, who cares? I don't know. God, that was the most, sorry, Starkiller base, or like Darth Vader from early <laughs> Star Wars scene when in the upcoming, like in the next week on when Daenerys walks out and all the oh, yeah. uh, Dothraki are cheering her. Yeah. Uh, all the Death Eaters. Uh, all the Death Eaters. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there was a couple moments in this episode where like, I was just like, oh, it's Danny and her Death Eaters. There they are. Like when the Northmen <laughs> themselves all start dressing in black and start raping and pillaging and John's like, wait, you're from the North. What are you doing? I just thought it, it turned, it turned what should have been like a triumphant moment into Voldemort at the borders of Hogwarts. Just like, let's go guys. Let's go gang. And then you find out John's, John Snow just looks around and goes, wait, I'm not a death eater. What? I don't understand. <laughs> So, like Draco Malfoy, he had a Draco Malfoy moment. Like, he did. He totally did. I, yeah. I do think. I do think Daenerys is gonna die. I think Tyrion's gonna die. Um, I think Tyrion's gonna be an early death. I think she's gonna execute him. She, but why would he go back to her? I feel like after what he watched, he's gonna walk out with John. But walk out where? He's gonna get. I mean, there's Dothraki and Unsullied everywhere. They're gonna pick him up. 
They'll, they'll get him. <laughs> it's I kind think, of easy to spot. I do think uh, part of me wants to believe Arya is going to kill Danny because otherwise, why keep her in King's Landing if not for that moment? And then she can kill both the Night King and Danny. And then, <laughs> sure. I do think John's going to die as well. Really? Um, and then it's just Sansa and she, I don't think there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be any king or queen or restaurant. I think it's going to be regional factions again yeah. and there will be no, I mean, King's Landing is gone. What is there to, what is there to Lord over? Like there's, there's no iron throne. There's no, I mean, it's there somewhere under the rubble, but what is, I mean, what's the point? I do think, I mean, maybe, maybe this is sort of the bring balance to the force in a, in a weird way, kind of route where it's like hey and this is going back to emily's question or, or todd i think your question i think the the show ending is going to be it has now become wildly different from what uh martin's going to write um you know the same people may die by that point but i think what he's i think what was maybe a 70 percent similarity now went down to 40 or 50 percent um av- after he saw what they did just just a hunch but i do mm-hmm. think john's done i think john's gone i think where we end up is all these regional places kind of just become their own kingdoms again because that seems to be the best way to go forward. It seems once everything's under one unified rule, it just it's constant fighting, constant the wheel turns and this game keeps getting played. Let's just shut the game down. Put the board away. We're done. Hmm. Emily sorry to be a buzzkill, but I, <laughs> I was <laughs> I know I was trying to like run through my brain like who's left? Um it's funny because I was on a wiki of ice and fire seeing if Arya was still blind. She is not. She okay, is cool. just now a mummer in the theater. Group. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Um, okay, so I think uh, I think the Stark girls are going to be okay. I think the rest of the remaining Starks will probably live and, and be wardens of the North or rulers of the North. Um, I think Tyrion will die. I think Danny will kill him and it'll be super sad. And I think that will kind of be the snapping point for Jon. Um, and it'll be super sad because he does love her, even if he's, you know, sort of grossed out by the romantic love now because they're <laughs> nephew and aunt. But I think he truly does love her and respect her. And But I think that's kind of like the, that's the end all be all of, of watching her turn into this person that he doesn't know anymore. So I, I think he will kill her. I think mm. John will kill her. Um, it would be super, super sad. Um who else is alive? Um, who do uh, I care I, about? I mean, you, uh, like you pointed out, or both of you pointed out, like she, her court is gone. Like it's just yeah. gray. Worm, mm. You know, and we don't even know if he's actually alive. I didn't see him in the end. He could be dead yeah. somewhere. And um, oh man, that look he gave to John when John was calling oh, his troops back. <laughs> shit. Shit. I mean, he was. That's another thing we didn't really talk about grief besides Danny. But you know, a lot of these people are operating on grief too. Yeah. Yep. Um, Grey Worm included. Grey Worm, maybe most of all of you know, she was the only thing that was you know meant besides, uh, you know, like a loyalty to Danny because she's his you know savior and freer and commander or whatever. Yeah. You know, Masande was the only thing that kind of like held Grey Worm to this world. Um, but yeah, uh, man, oh, so- that's my that's my biggest prediction. I think Danny is gonna have to die, and I think John will be the one to do it. And I kind of agree with Taylor. I think that it would be interesting, if, you know, that still John is like, I don't want to rule. I don't want to do this. I think even if he kills Danny, there will be some sort of democratic system brought in of that kind of every region rules themselves. And yeah. John can just go off and live in the North with ghosts or do whatever he wants after this. I kind of <laughs> hope that's what he gets. That's what he deserves, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, maybe, uh, well, um, 
after Arya has had this, uh, I, I feel like she's kind of had a, an awakening, like, and and realized like she'd been pursuing death for so long. What's it like to try to save life? I'm curious if she looks for Gendry, mm. um, and not Aww. to not to be a lady of a castle, but if she makes some arrangement with him, like, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be a lady of the castle, but like, I don't want to go murder people anymore. Yeah. Um, my first instinct was she was rushing back to Winterfell to make sure that Sansa was going to be okay. Yeah. That was my first instinct. Yeah. I, that, that is really where I want to see her. Like just yeah. being like the badass. Yeah. Do you think Danny flies to Winterfell to uh, exact revenge? Or do you think we stay, we keep her in the South for the remainder? It, it is really interesting. This yeah. the position uh, is like very curious because Daenerys in doing that, proved herself worse than Eris. She's yep. the one who actually ignited all the wildfire under the city mm-hmm. and, and literally burned them all, you know, whereas Eris just threatened to do it. Her um, father, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. wait, that's Eris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eris the second. And, oh, they said Varys at first. I was like, oh, oh, no, no, no. no uh, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> All these names. <laughs> um, and she is now, like, all, almost worse than Cersei. Like, Cersei did kind of look out for people. Cersei yeah. was a politician mm. in that way of, I mean, she did blow them all up in the sept, sure, yeah. but um, <laughs> she she did other things to appease, like, she was playing the politics of it, like how to appease certain people and blah, 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 but mm-hmm. Daenerys has done none of that, so. Yeah, we actually went back in, like, the next week's episode to where she's coming out, like, her Darth Vader moment of, like, coming out on the steps, because Peter wanted to see kind of more what it looks like, and it was really hard to tell whether everything was gray because it's ash or gray because it's snow. Mm. Because there would still be snow right. in the north. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out. Remember her vision in the tower. Yeah. She saw an ash or snow-covered king's like like throne room that the roof was caved in. It was like mm-hmm. Notre mm-hmm. Dame. It's just like oh, and the yeah. throne was there, and it just like I remember just seeing that scene and going, "What would she be the queen? Of? What's the whole point?" And you think at that point, watching that scene, oh, the White Walkers have have killed everybody, and winter yeah. has come, and it's all gone, but never did you think, Oh no, she did that. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. I totally forgot about that. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. Uh, we also just to tag onto that. We finally got this scene that was hinted at like three years ago where you see the shadow of the dragon flying over King's landing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That was cool too. Yeah. That was crazy. Good pick. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Uh, I, I don't know that I, I mean, have any other predictions than the ones you had. I, think Daenerys has to die. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if she and John go down together because he, I, I see him as sort of the only one that could get close enough to do it. Yeah. He's like the um, Wolverine to the dark Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, Arya could in like a roguish way, but I, I don't that, you know, you can't, you can't keep pulling the same trick like yeah. over and over. Yeah. And no. I don't know that she has, I mean, certainly she has motivation to do it, but I, it doesn't seem like her fight. It, se- it seems like no. she, even she would recognize, like, John, you, brought, you, yeah. you made this mess. You she's your girlfriend, John. You have to deal with it. Yeah, She's back at Winterfell with Sansa, like, oh, I do not like this new girl yeah. that John is with. <laughs> he was a much better off with that redhead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty speechless. I really did. I mean, when this episode finished, I... I thought Taylor texted me almost as soon as he finished, which was a couple minutes before I did. And I, mm-hmm. so I had time to reflect and think, wow, I think I'm completely satisfied. Like I just thought the filmmaking was wonderful and like the mm-hmm. pace of it, all the character moments and the action for sure. 
yeah, just I was I was blown away. So, um, yeah, I, that may be all we need to say. <laughs> I think we'll have plenty more to say after next week. That is for sure. Oh, I just boy. can't believe it's over. It's over. Like, it's, oh. like I just can't even believe it. The whole thing. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. whatever we've had with it over the years, and it's you no. Know, um, uh, bad treatment of women and minorities like it's you know problematic themes and things like that um which we can talk about for years to come this is one of the i I, there's no way not to put it in in that like pantheon of lord of the rings star wars yeah harry potter like this is among the best fantasy works ever done like book and it's also the end of another era though too i mean we've we've said goodbye basically the mcu as we know it uh, mm-hmm. uh earlier yeah. this month and now mm-hmm. it's like game of thrones same thing i mean it's, it's adorable that they're like you'll love the watchmen too right TikTok, like, TikTok. No. No. <laughs> i don't know man damon lindelof is attached probably not so yeah. up, so i was on board oh yeah That's, you know what That's i had the true. same reaction i'm like oh don johnson but is jeremy irons has to be adrian veidt right yes oh, they, they sure. confirmed that oh, yeah absolutely um, and then well speaking of new shows too they do also have one or two game of thrones shows in the works as well they at least have one where it's the um the, oh god he has the sword that's like dawn and we saw him and uh, uh, Sir Arthur, uh, Sir Arthur Dane, Sir Dane. Arthur Dane. Yeah. Um, I think one of the series stars him and then there's another series in the works as well. So that'll be interesting, but it's, it's never, you know, it's never going to be the same. Just like the Hobbit was never going to be the same as Lord of the Rings. Like it, it, it's almost like, eh, why just leave it at this, you know, <laughs> like we know you want to make money, but this series was basically a, like, We'll go down to history as one of the greatest series of all time. Like, why try to ruin it with spinoffs? What if Darth Vader were a little kid? Oh, Christ. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> do you guys like the Mad King? Yeah. What do you? What was he like as a baby? Oh, yeah. don't even tease that. I don't want to have a <laughs> series where I root for that. Ares Targaryen yeah. as like the, oh, he went, oh, he lost his mind. He's going to burn yeah. people now. Like, I don't want a scene where a young Jamie Lannister, like, stabs him in slow motion and we're like oh goodbye Varys like that's not happening oh god (laughs) oh I don't want that because I mean that's how you shoehorn in Tyrion as a secret Targaryen without addressing it in the show you have it you you put it there so it's like oh yeah Aerys truly loved Tyrion's mother and so he didn't rape her no no it was a it was misunderstood and then oh god I kind of want to see this now it's like Zach Efron is Jamie Lannister. <laughs> Taylor Lautner is Kyle Drogo. Oh my god! <laughs> well, give Taylor Lautner something to do. That's true. Yeah, true. The frog. <laughs> if it keeps Lautner employed, I guess we yeah. can't. It's not all bad. Send it in. Send it in, Todd. You know, I recently did watch. Twilight Breaking Dawn, which is the what? second one, if I'm not mistaken, whoa, because my whoa, wife is obsessed whoa, and she gets on she gets on little dark. kicks where she'll binge them. And so I'm like, oh, let me just let me tune in and see what I missed. Oh yeah, not much. But I I bring this up because I am firmly on Team Jacob. And that is oh, that is because Taylor Lautner does such a great job. Nice person. Yeah, well no, Taylor Lautner, you're just like, well, clearly you're the she should have ended up with him. Like, why the yeah. hell? Did she waste one second longer with with Edward? I'll never know. So there you are. There you are. Because Mormonism. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Great way to wrap up. Uh, Emily, where can people find you if they want to uh, 
talk with you, discuss your views on Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I would love that. Um, my cousins are Mormon, so I have a lot to talk about. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at that Emily Kelly. Uh, Taylor, where can people find this fine podcast? Wherever you get your podcasts, you can also find us uh, at panelism.ink. That's panelism.ink, which is a website URL and an Instagram account where you can catch up on all of our shows and content and things and more to come. You can also uh, search for our uh, other sister show that Todd and I host called Panelism, uh, where we review comics and graphic novels and other uh, geek sort of things we're gonna be talking about some fantasy stuff this week i'm excited about that yeah we're gonna have a sort of a sort of a conversation that tangentially connects to this one in some ways so tune in there if you want to hear more um different flavor than wednesday and westeros sadly emily's not with us but uh we 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 get by we've had emily on several episodes we have again hopefully that's true I have a rare self plug um, only because this came up in the final moments here, which is I I wrote a short book on Mormonism and the white horse prophecies several years ago. So I think you should go buy that on Amazon. It is called so much for the white horse. Um, And uh, it's under Todd a that's my author name. But anyway, I, I guess until next week and we will, well, come on, let's be honest. We're going to keep, we'll, we'll talk again about game of Thrones after the season. So um yeah coming rewatches and all that but seven blessings to you all and azor a high to you and what do we say to the lord of death last chance bitch <laughs> <laughs>